Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ministry Misfits. Andrew, welcome back. We've been doing some traveling yes. separately for yes. a couple of weeks, both <laughs> on our own vacations, both celebrating birthdays. That's right. It is birthday month that it is we birthday forgot month. was coming up when we did the Patreon campaign. Yes. So it is birthday month. <laughs> so if it's also your birthday in June, happy birthday. Yes. If I had the soundboard hooked up, then I would start playing Happy Birthday. Or, oh, we should have called Justin. Yeah, we could have invited our, our guest friend from our huddle, Justin, to yes. sing Happy Birthday. We need to record him and then just play it over this whole area right here. I think we might lose some listeners. That's true. We hear Happy Birthday. That's true. Anyway, it is birthday month. So if you go to our Facebook page, you should be able to find a link to where if you want to donate to the birthday month campaign, you can. Um, that money is going to go towards both monthly financing as well as it should also cover our absurd conference fees as well so that we can be back with our partners and friends over there with tribe collective third street martin center all that good stuff i don't know if they've released dates yet but they have should be probably september october normally it's in october somewhere around that time so and we're probably going to get a bunch of angry text messages after this releases from rachel going why did you give us a date so we don't know when it is, but we're planning on being there. And so that's what we're trying to help raise some money to cover our costs to go back there. So if you want to go donate to the birthday month campaign, you can. We've also been busy. Well, I've been busy. Yeah, you, you've I've got, been busy doing different things. You've been, bu- like- you've been very busy doing a lot of other things. I've been busy on a couple of other things as well. Some of you have already checked them out. Go check out. I was on the Buddy Walk with Jesus podcast with our good friend Joe, um, talking about the anatomy of what makes a ministry misfit as he's starting a series on ministry misfits, um, kind of going off of the definition that we gave him. Um, I've also been doing a couple of different series with Brother Matthew, who was on last week um, over on Commuter Christian. And we were talking, we've been talking through the Cold War theology stuff over there because he's wanting to dive a little bit deeper into some of the different pieces of it. And so we've laid the groundwork for him to be able to start doing that from a deconstruction phase, which could be interesting. Yeah, could be very, absolutely. very, very bad. Could be very, very good. So we'll just have to see where he that, takes that's it. That's like with most things we do here. That That's 100%. The other thing, too, since we've gotten together last is... Our favorite show, Star Wars, has released yes. new episodes on Disney and yes. Plus and has also created a little controversy <laughs> within Twitter and the social oh, media was, and some yeah, other the, things. This so one was Facebook. There yeah. is a new blog post that Andrew has up on our website as well that you can also check out, not specifically related to today's topic today's topic yes but (laughs) (laughs) related to a lot of the stuff that we talk about yes and related to a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about and maybe if we have time we will actually record one on it because there's a lot of stuff to unpack within it that we i couldn't unpack while typing so it is up though so go check that out on the facebook page 
unfortunately, there has been a few other things that have happened mm-hmm. since we have recorded. Yeah. There have been, I don't know how many shootings. There have been, there's the sex abuse task force report that came out of the SBC that was way, way, way worse than anybody expected. The SCOTUS leak happened, which you'd think most people are like, how did that happen since recording? But that's how far back it was since last time we recorded. Yep. Yeah. And then right now, as we're recording, well, later today, because it's a little early, but yeah. later today as we're recording, the January 6th hearings are going on as well. Yeah. So it was always a lot of hot topic things in the news, a lot of heartfelt yes. uh, issues going on, especially with the shootings. Uh, especially for the families and members involved. And all of these have brought up a conversation within Christianity as a whole. This is not social media. This is not online anything. This is social. This is Christianity as a whole. And this always happens anytime there's anything like one of these things happening, let alone all four is the conversation about what the church and individual Christians responsibility is as it relates to our legal rights and government resistance. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few times we were debating whether or not just to go ahead and do this, but we decided we would just wait until we were hoping to be able to wait until we had a, a couple different people that were available for guesting. But we realized this week that we can't wait any longer. Yeah, just time to take it. We on. need to just do this thing and you're just going to have to be stuck with just us. So, <laughs> and yeah, many of the stuff that we've talked about before we did bring on from uh, who do we have for Cold War theology is us. It... I, I was thinking, <laughs> OK, I was thinking it was. Yeah. Dr. Greg Linville. Oh, no, some... that was for muscular Christianity. That's right. Okay. Yes. Maybe we did too that morning. I don't yeah. know. But so... yeah, so some of the stuff that we talked about will have similar ties and threads, yes. specifically some of the scripture that we go back to reference. A lot of this is dealing with things that we dealt with with Cold War theology. A lot of this is also stuff that we hinted at in the full episode that I did with Joe Ash. It's also not 100%, but about 50% of it we dealt with in the Patreon episode with Joe Ash. So go join Patreon if you want to hear Joe Ash's, uh, not verses, because he used the same verses. Joe Ash's, uh, the, the stuff he did covering a lot of this political stuff. You know, but we want to make sure, we want to clarify a couple of things before we get started. One is that this is fully a theological approach and not a political one. So if the if a lot of what we say you're coming unglued and like, what are you doing? This is not accurate at all. Make sure that what you're angry about is our theology and not the political ideology that this may be hurting. Yeah, your emotional side that might be attached to it. Yes. But again, we still want to hear from you. Yes, we want to hear, but make sure that you are critiquing the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) And then the other side is we want to actually make sure we define what we mean when we're addressing, because there's a lot of different versions when people talk about rights. Yep. So we went to the dictionary. 
As usual. As usual, because apparently that's how we decided defines everything. <laughs> um, how did that? Do you have any idea how that ever happened? I how think we, we just. I Webster's? think maybe one of the ones was like we just didn't know where to start, and so we needed. No, I know why we went to the dictionary. Oh, why I mean, Webster? Why Webster's <laughs> became the official? Like, yes, I get to define everything now. And I'm sure somebody needed to create a source that was right, and he's like, "Oh, look, spot an open on. market." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. If anybody knows why we trust Webster's more than anybody else or Webster to define this stuff, let us know. Anyway, we went to him and this is what he defined a legal right as. So there, this is actually definition two when you look under right, because the first thing when you look at and the right for noun is not being wrong. I was surprised to see there was no the opposite of left because that's really what I was expecting to see. Oh yeah, but, yeah. So it's kind of like our absence of of light darkness. Yeah. So it's there's... not yeah. There's only left and right. You can't there's... have yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, the definition it actually gives for what we're talking about is it's a moral or legal entitlement to have or obtain something or to act a certain way. And now within the there within constitutional rights there are two more definitions you have inalienable rights that cannot be taken away these are things that are according to our documents in the US they're believed to be god-given rights that cannot be taken away so these are the human rights life liberty pursuit of happiness right we understand that. Yeah. Which From could a, also be debated. Yeah. Well, and we are going to debate some of that. <laughs> the Christian idea of a human right also would come from the Imago Dei. And we're dealing with the ideas of dignity. You know, a person's dignity cannot be taken away, even though we let people do it. Yes. It really cannot be taken away. You have the right to your dignity. Alienable rights are conditional rights that can be given and taken away at any given moment. So this is things like your driver's license Mm -hmm. can be taken and given at depending on a judge's, a judge's mood at the time, depending upon what you do and right. So consequences behind that. there are two different rights that we, when we talk about that, and we'll, we'll actually define why that's important here in a little bit. When we talk about a resistance movement, speaking of star Wars, um, when we talk about resistance, we're talking about any amount of political resistance, whether that's by protest or by force. So that's an important distinction that we're making because we're going to be talking just generic resistance as far as what's allowed and what's not allowed biblically. And that does go both protest and force. And so we will distinguish the two when we get there. Anything else that you think we need to clarify? <laughs> no, I think that covers most of it for right now. I was trying to think if there's anything. No, I think we're good. All right. So we'll just dive in here. And again, we are dealing with these things from a level one Christocentric theological truth perspective. This is nothing to do with how you vote. Although ideally, once we get through this, it will help you when it comes time to vote. But we'll see how well we do for that. So a couple of things that we know. The Bible says very specific things about our rights. So the first thing is that we actually have no inalienable rights when it comes to our 
relationship with God. So this is Jeremiah 17, 9, you know, Man, the heart is wicked above all things. Mm -hmm. Man is deceitful. Daniel 4, man is dust. No one can stay God's hand or tell him what have you done. We have no inalienable. So these are the rights that are just given to us and that we get just by being here. We have no inalienable rights when it comes to God because he is God and we are not. Yep. Now, Let's confuse the matter by going to the second thing that the Bible shows us is that God grants us inalienable rights as citizens of his kingdom. And so this is the idea of because we are believers, God grants us rights as citizens of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, Matthew 28, we are given authority. We are given authority through the spirit. Hebrews 4, Acts 1, Matthew 16, all of these things are where God gives us the opportunity to, one, have relationship with him. Two, this is the Hebrews 4, we are able, because we have a great high priest, we can now boldly go into the sanctuary so we can actually have that relationship again. We can do it on our, quote unquote, on our own. Yeah. Obviously, it's through the power of Christ, but we have the ability to go to God on our own behalf. Matthew 16, we are given power and authority to be able to go out and change the world. P Pastor KT talked about this last week at the at Third Street. Yep. So, or, well, two weeks when we release this. You know, we are given inalienable. These are things that cannot be taken from us. And these are given basically now, not for now, yes. the later kingdom. Yes. <laughs> and so we, we receive these things now. And... This is where we can start theology debates a little bit, because some are going to say, well, if you lose your salvation, don't you lose these rights? Well, we're saying you can't really lose your salvation. Yeah. And so you're not going to lose these rights. These are rights that God has given us. Now, with that being said, we already talked about the fact that we say there are inalienable rights, and we talked about the Imago Dei being one of those things, and that's what gives us our worth and purpose and our dignity. So why, Brandon, then, did we say that only citizens of the kingdom are given the inalienable rights after they become citizens of the kingdom? I think it would be because God talks about he adopts us into his family. So basically right. we are... He's taking us in. It's not like we're, it's not everybody's automatically a part of the team. Right, right. <laughs> well, God, God's, God's adopting us in, and so we're made in his image. And so that's something that, that likeness can't be stripped away. You're close. If the soundboard was working and not shutting off our computer, <laughs> I would be giving you half a point. What we're talking about with those first two are our relationship with God. Now, when we get into other inalienable rights, we're talking about our relationship with each other as other human beings. And this is the Imago Dei, is that all man is made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And so all man has worth, all man has value, all man has dignity. And so we have the right as humans to be able to interact with other humans at the same level. 
Yeah, we're on the same playing field. We're basically. all on the same playing field. We all have these different things. And so this is why when we've talked about mourning of shootings or police brutality or soldiers coming, any of those sort of things, a theological approach to this is the fact that it doesn't matter who it is that has died mourning should still take place because another image bearer has died. Yeah, no matter what their power or position is. Power, position, record, history, any of that, the fact that another image bearer has died is is not a happy occasion unless we know that they are a believer. Mm -hmm. And then it is a happy occasion. Maybe we'll cover the whole afterlife thing another time. Now, now that we know what God has given us and that Brandon's microphone is attacking him. <laughs> we can actually get into the stuff that everybody's like, but what does this have anything to do with what's going on in our country right now? Because we are told through things like the declaration of independence and the constitution, and the bill of rights, that all men are created equal and that all there are these inalienable rights that are given to us by our creator. Mm -hmm. So why do we need to know this other stuff when the constitution already tells us? And that is Cold War theology for you, saying that you don't need to know this stuff because the Constitution tells you. But that's another topic we've already covered. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to also say, I mean, we, we're talking specifically about America and in, in these right initial and inalienable rights as we that well, we define, that, not not the biblical. Yeah. And so yeah, I think we're not going us... full politics here, but no. really the way that it's worded, the Constitution is supposed to actually be saying that it says all men are created equal and have this. So the inalienable rights of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness should, from a governmental perspective, be applied to everyone that has ever lived, even though we know when it was written, it was only applying to the white property-owning males. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, I just, bring that, up. I just bring that up to say I think it's important to know from a smaller standpoint, I think we get taught in school these inalienable rights of the life, liberty, right. pursuit of happiness. So that's sometimes where that basis comes from. Right. The other so rights. I think from an, from the other like rights the only apply to those that are citizens of the U.S. Just like we talked about the stuff that only applies to us as citizens of kingdom. the kingdom. Yeah. As far as the commission, the spirit, all of those different things, there are certain rights that governments give but why are they allowed to give those rights in the first place because they're in control of the land like they're the bigger picture god is the one that gives governments the right to establish rights yes this is jeremiah 29 <laughs> this is romans 13 and this is luke 20 luke 20 is the whole give unto caesar what is caesar's Romans 13 is Paul telling the people how they should react to their government, and we'll get into it more here in a little bit. Jeremiah 29, we've talked about this a lot, is how the exiles were supposed to react to their, their rulers as well. And in all of those places, it talks about the fact that God is the one that has called out these governments to rule, and he has given them their right to establish rights for their citizens. So... What does that mean for those rights? If God has given the government the rights, how should we respond to them? 
So we should, I want to say test them a little bit because a test could be a <laughs> challenging word. You're talking discernment, right? Yes. Discernment yeah. is the better way not a uh, revolt for, for that type of test. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Yeah. Cause I think there is the discernment of, all right, how does this affect my religious belief? How does this affect my relationship with Jesus, with people? And so I, that's why I think there's some discernment that should be made upon each of the the rules or governing governing authorities that are established and put in place with different decrees or mandates being placed. Right. And this is where we get into the next next line is that those rights that are given to us by our government should actually be used for specifically as believers, we're saying they should be used for the advancing of the church, God's kingdom, the advancement of the the mission as a whole. Mm-hmm. And this is why discernment is key, because whenever we talk about advancing the kingdom of God, we know from the time we talked nonprofits and the times that we've talked Cold War theology and the times that we talked patriarchy a little bit and muscular Christianity and all this, that anytime we talk about advancing the kingdom of God, people try to mess it up <laughs> for their own benefit. I don't know if they try to mess it up. They just happen to mess it up. Yes, for their own benefit. <laughs> yes. And now where we get the idea of we are supposed to use our rights for the advancing of God's kingdom. This is the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 9. This is Philippians 3, 5, Acts 16, Acts 22, Acts 25. And we'll get more into them here in a little bit. Well, going back to everything that we talked about with Cold War theology and everything, do you think it's because the body that's governing or is trying to set these rules are not equally yoked? So then you have that Mm. that sin and other powers that come in where, yeah, sure, we'll push stuff that's loving and helping other people, but then that deceit comes in. and Well, and th- this is where the the last section of what the Bible says about our individual rights comes in, is that ultimately we are not supposed to value our rights over our neighbor. And so, val- you know, the idea of the, the great two commandments, love God and love our neighbor, trump regardless, r- trump everything else. Mm-hmm. So if the government is putting things in place that is preventing us from doing those things, our rights as citizens of the kingdom of heaven override the rights of our our rights as citizens of individual countries. This is what we see in Luke 9, 1 Corinthians 9, Philippians 2, 3, Mark 12, Matthew 5, Jeremiah 29. All of these different things are this idea of our job as believers is to be advancing the kingdom of heaven first. And we do that through love of God and love of neighbor. Yeah. And now what you're talking, starting to draw us into is this idea of what do we do then when the government tells us we're supposed to do something that is not loving of God or loving of neighbor. And that's where we start getting to government resistance. And we're going to start resisting the government after we take a break and hear from Creative Laird Agency. Laird Creative Agency. There we go. We'll be right back.
Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. We're back. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are still in birthday month. Yes. <laughs> Not that that changed from the, anything different. but We didn't take that long of a break for a commercial here. <laughs> you didn't know. It didn't change months in between. But today we are still talking about legal rights and government resistance as it is related to us as Christians and what some of our alienable and un inalienable rights are, again, both as kind of what we talked about as U.S. citizens, somewhat from the Constitution, but then also what is given and or not given from God. Yes, which ultimately we said that all rights and authority is coming from God. Yes. And even the rights of us to be able to interact with God come from God. Now, we we broke down what the Bible says. And the last thing we talked about is that ultimately. Our rights as believers and rights as citizens of the kingdom trump all other rights that are given to us because Mm -hmm. we are supposed to use our governmental rights to further the kingdom and to love our neighbor. Yeah. Now. Brandon, what should we do when a governmental authority is trying to prevent us from doing those things? I think it should be talked about with the the body or of community of believers, and I, which is good because that's what we're doing right now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, to take that discernment a little bit further, yes. To say are you hearing and understanding this like the same way of like, is this prohibiting you from carrying out the gospel from loving people? And then if maybe if it's an agreement with everyone of like, yes, then all right, what do we do and how do we do this again in a loving manner? Yes. Cause that the commandment doesn't change for how we're supposed to act. And that is the key is that whenever we start having this conversation, for some reason, there are certain people that want to throw out the other commandments and just focus on resisting the devil is normally the way it's kind of worded. Yeah. So this is what we know from scripture about government resistance. And when we're talking government resistance, again, we are talking about any kind of resisting of a governmental authority, whether that's through protest, policy, or actual force 
So the first thing we know is that God is the one that establishes governments. So this is Jeremiah 29. This is Daniel 4 and 5. This is Genesis 50. This is Romans 13. God is the one that sets up governments and governmental authorities because ultimately we know that Jesus is on his throne Mm -hmm. and every knee and every government will bow to him. Yeah. And so all authority has to come from him. This is one of the fun things for those that want to go more deeply into the temptations of Jesus. The last temptation from Satan is what? I will give you... All the kingdoms of the world, if you will simply oh, bow, bow down, down and worship me. me. Okay, yeah. Satan doesn't have the authority to give any kind of governmental kingdom to Jesus because God is the one that sets up kings and times and seasons. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Jesus gets all the kingdoms of the world by not bowing down and by sacrificing himself instead. And so the idea that Satan was going to be able to tempt Jesus into taking all these kingdoms without the cross is ultimately what the human side of the decision was. But even if Jesus had chosen that route, Satan has no authority to give, and Jesus knew that. Yeah. That's a whole side trail that's just kind of fun to think about is this <laughs> yeah, idea if, of Satan forgot that he didn't even have the authority here when he tried to talk to the guy who had the authority in the first place, <laughs> which really has a lot of application for a lot of our prayers and things as well. But that's yes. another podcast. So God is the one that establishes governments. And we just said also God is the one that gives these governments their authorities. This is literally the entire story of Daniel is this idea of God is the one that allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take Daniel and his friends. And Daniel and his friends recognize that. And even when Daniel goes to the king to tell the king his dream, Daniel reminds Nebuchadnezzar that you're only here because God lets you. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing with that is that if we know that God establishes governments and that God is the one that provides the power and authority for these governments to be able to rule, By honoring that authority and rule, ultimately we are honoring who? We're honoring God. We are honoring God. This is Jeremiah 29. Again, this is the whole story of Daniel. This is also Titus Titus 3. Honoring the authority that God has put on people is honoring God's role in our lives. Since we like to talk about definitions, what yes. would you, what would you define as honoring? And that's a the form bigger of discernment <laughs> question, right? Is honoring the same thing? You know, in going back into like Daniel's time, is bowing down to the king honor or is it worship? Yes, uh, I would. Is it both? That, no, well, no. Oh. Sorry, I, <laughs> you said I yes. I was like, oh, I thought you were both? asking a rhetorical question. That would be worship. Is it though? Because what is it that Daniel and his friends are willing to do for the king? They're willing to honor him as king. Hmm. And part of what you do for the king is you bow to the king. What they were not willing to do was bow down to the image the king made in his likeness. Hmm. 
because the image did not have the authority from God. The king did. And so they honor the king, even when the king is threatening to throw them into the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still refer to him as O King. When Daniel is about to be thrown into the lion's den, he still he doesn't do anything other than he lets the king try and save him, but he even tells the king, you do not want to do this because it's going to ruin your reputation. You cannot change the law of the land for me and still be king of Persia. So you have to do this thing. That is a that is the ultimate way of honoring the king is saying, even when it's harming me, you still need to do what is best for you and for the people. Now, we also see with Daniel where honor ends. Because when Daniel goes in chapter 5 to Belshazzar, after Belshazzar has blasphemed God by drinking out of the temple cups, and Daniel reads the writing on the wall, Daniel does not respond to Belshazzar as king at all. It's just a straight, you screwed up, you are dead, your reign is ended. Hmm. Because he is no longer God's anointed, he does not deserve the honor anymore. Daniel knows that night that there's going to be a transition of power, and so he does not honor the ungodly king anymore. That's why when we talk about this stuff, discernment is such a big piece. Yeah. Because unless we're Daniel, we don't know when our government is going down. Yeah. Uh, we, I guess we could also talk about like eating different food. Right. Daniel okay. chapter one. Yeah. It's at the very beginning of like eating basically vegetables instead of the meats and the wine and other. And the thing that people miss with that part of the story is Daniel doesn't say that he and his friends will never eat the king's food. Because at the end of the test, Daniel tells the, the guard that if we are if we are unfit for you. So he's not even saying that unfit in their eyes. He's saying unfit in the eyes of the king. If the king finds us unfit, then we will eat of your food. So he's giving them, them a test to. Right. It's to not a over. it's not a we just aren't going to do it. It's a if God wants us not to do this, then he's going to give us strength through the foods that we are allowed to eat. If God d is saying it's okay for you to do this while you are here in captivity, which is part of what Jeremiah 29 talks about as well is to do this kind of stuff. Then they're willing to do it, but only after they have checked with God first, mm -hmm. because it's, they are citizens of the kingdom first, and they are now citizens of Babylon second, which is why we have such a problem with churches that are using the phrase, let's go Brandon in their services. Hmm. That is not honoring the government that God has set up in front of us. No. Whether you disagree with them or not, because it doesn't matter if you agree with them, they are still in a position of authority and God is the one that sets those authorities up. This leads us into the last part of this idea of what about government resistance? And people are probably, you haven't covered anything about government resistance. What are you talking about? We'll get to yeah, actual resistance <laughs> here in a minute. But we are not supposed to harm. And when we say harm, we'll define it here in a minute. But we are not supposed to harm those that God has anointed. 1 Samuel 24, Daniel 1 through 4 and 6, 
the entire book of Jeremiah. When we say harm, we are talking physical harm. We are talking emotional harm. We are talking psychological harm. We are not supposed to harm those that God has anointed. Now, what that does not mean is that you cannot disagree that, or it does not, it does mean that you can disagree. It means that you can protest. It means that you can debate. It means that you can call people to accountability. But it does not mean that you can go out of your way to harm those that God has anointed. And this does not just apply within government resistance. This applies within the church as well. Yeah. Because the pastor is anointed by God. You should not be going out of your way to cause him harm. Doesn't mean you don't call him to the carpet. Doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable. Doesn't mean that you call them to repentance when they have sinned, Mm -hmm. which is the argument going around right now within some of the SBC churches about the whole task force report is that, well, we can't harm God's anointed. So why are we calling these people out? Calling them out is not harming God's anointed. Calling them out is doing our responsibility as believers, building each other up. Yep. But going out of your way to slander somebody or going out of your way to physically harm somebody or going out of your way to get somebody fired just because they convicted you one time. That is not an appropriate reaction for a believer. You do not harm those that God have annoyed. Do you know the story in first Samuel 24? Not off the top of my head. No, this is the first time that David spares Saul's life. Mm. And it happens three or four more times. Can you remember? What's the most, do you know the most famous and honestly the funniest of all of the stories? I don't think it's caught in adultery somewhere. No, 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 no. no. That's a whole nother rabbit trail. No, (laughs) Daniel, David is on the run, right? Saul wants to kill him. David's on the run. David and his men are hiding in a cave. Saul goes into that cave, not knowing Daniel is there. And Saul is going into the cave to do what? Go to sleep. Go to the bathroom. (laughs) While he is there going to the bathroom, David sneaks up behind him and cuts off the corner of his robe. Saul finishes his business. He... (laughs) His kingly duties. Uh, I wish I had the room shot in there. Anyway, goes out of the cave and David comes out showing him the robe. And it's like, I had the chance to kill you just now, but I did not because you are still God's chosen for this nation at this time. And that is part of where Saul backs off his pursuit of David. Because you do not harm the Lord's anointed. This is the same reason why one of my favorite stories, you know, the story of the three bears. Not Goldilocks. <laughs> That's who I went to. So I was like, mm, yeah, I guess not. And and this is after Elijah has gone up. And so we don't know if this old prophet is Elisha or if it's just another old prophet. But there's a bald prophet walking around and a bunch of probably older teens, young adults start making fun of him because he's bald. And the prophet doesn't respond to them. He says a prayer, walks off, and bears come out of the woods and maul all the people making fun of him. 
because you do not harm the Lord's anointed. Now that's a very extreme, uh, yeah, extreme case. Myth, yeah. Which typically but, doesn't happen. Yes, but this is this is the the point is that if God has placed people and God is the one that's giving them authority and power, then we should not be trying to cause them harm. Now we're going to get into what we should actually do then after we take one more break. We'll be right back. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. As an American, I probably know more about World War II than any other war in our history. But I had no idea how little I really knew about the soldiers that fought and died for my freedom. I knew even less about the men, women, and children they liberated. Until this D-Day. This is the D-Day that changed me. And it's where I truly learned about freedom. My name is Daniel Patricks. One year after being liberated from German control, I found myself standing in a ceremony on Utah Beach, wearing a new dress sewn by my mother Cecile. It was made from parachutes of the soldiers who fought valiantly to liberate me, my family, my neighbors and all of friends from Hitler's terrible grasp. In Normandy, celebrations of remembrance and gratitude take place every year. French citizens bring World War II veterans and their families to Normandy to share their stories. In doing so, the French, once liberated by the Americans, liberate these soldiers in return from their oppressive memories of war. Freedom is not free. It's too important to never forget. That some boys uh, went ashore on our beaches to fight in a hell, to liberate people they even didn't know. Then you realize what they have done and the sacrifice that many of them have made. Dans tous les cimetières, il y a eu tant de morts pour, hein, pour sauver la, la France et les, tous les pays qui étaient occupés par l'Allemagne. Où qu'on serait aujourd'hui, nous Français, si vous, les Américains, vous n'étiez pas venus The Americans, they are our liberators. We have to thank them forever, really. 
The Girl Who Wore Freedom is an unconventional love story between the people of Normandy and the American GIs who freed them from German occupation that continues today. These are our stories, Normandy's stories. All right, so welcome back. We have discussed a biblical definition of rights. Mm-hmm. We've discussed a biv- biblical definition of government. And now we are going to talk about what to do about it when we, when our government is not doing what they are supposed to be doing. Yes, when it basically violates loving God or loving other people. Yes. So we have clear instruction as to when resistance to the government and to authority is actually the proper role and response of a Christian. The first thing is it violates the law of God, because again, we're saying that we as believers are citizens of the kingdom first, citizens of this earthly kingdom second. Mm -hmm. So when it violates the law of God, this is what we see in the entirety of Daniel pretty much. You know, we talked about, first of all, in Daniel chapter one, when they're supposed to eat the king's food. Do you know why they weren't, they did not want to eat the king's food? I guess it had to be attached to their beliefs in some way of. Because the meat would have been prepared and sacrificed to. Their gods. To the Babylonian gods. Yeah. And so you are not supposed to eat meat that has been sacrificed to foreign gods. And it probably also was dealing with some of the unclean foods as well. But Daniel and his friends just do a formal question, you know, formal request of, can we eat something else because of our beliefs? This violates the law of God. And because of the way they went about it, it was granted. They were like, let's just, let's do this as a test run and see. We talked about this already. Daniel chapter 3 is, what story? That'd be before he tells the dream? This is the first dream? This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. Big statue is made. Everybody's supposed to bow down to it. And these three don't bow. Yeah. Because they're only supposed to worship God. God. Yeah. That's the only place they can worship is God. They refuse because it is a direct violation of the law of God. We are not going to bow down to your idol. Regardless of what the consequences are. It's just a simple, we're not doing it. Bring on the consequences and God will save us. And even if he does not, he is still God, mm-hmm. which is the one of the coolest lines in all of scripture. Yeah. Um, Daniel chapter five. This is where we actually have Daniel resisting Belshazzar as king because he has violated the law of God. He has drank from the cups that were reserved for the priests in the temple. And so because of that, Daniel rebukes him as king, refuses to take any kind of rewards from that king to identify him as one of his followers. And he just lets the Persians come. 
Daniel chapter 6, this is the lion's den. The law is you cannot pray to anybody but the king. Daniel says no. He prays anyway, and he prays in public and openly. Is that the one where he, with the door, the windows are open? The windows open towards. It's the east? It is. Well, it's the west because where they're at, Jerusalem. Okay. They are, they are facing, he's praying back towards the temple. But why did he continue to do it in public? There was a key word that we just said. So he could be seen by others? Because he was continuing. Mm. He had been praying in public since he had been brought there as a boy. This wasn't a, oh, now that's illegal. I'm going to go make a big show of it. He now is praying the same way he has because he was not going to allow the law of the land to trump the law of God. We'll get into why it's important as far as it was a continuation here in a little bit. This is also what we see in 1 Peter 2.17. The other time it's we see that scripture says it's acceptable and responsible for us to resist is when it violates the inalienable rights of God. So this is when the government is violating the Imago Dei. When the government violates the Imago Dei, our responsibility is to speak out on behalf of those that cannot speak for themselves. Hmm. You know, that's out of there. It's in Proverbs. It's in Matthew 5. We are supposed to do these things. Yeah. We are supposed to value other people as being more highly than ourselves. That's out of, I believe it's Colossians, because I apparently forgot to copy and paste all my (laughs) verse references. We are supposed to stand up to the government when they are violating the Imago Dei. This is why Bonhoeffer joins the resistance against Hitler. Because Hitler is violating the rights of the Jewish people and everybody else that gets in his way. Hmm. You know, it's not enough just because it's an ungodly government for Bonhoeffer to get involved. Bonhoeffer gets involved because Bonhoeffer cared about other people being made in the image of God. This is why part of his writings talks about the fact that he was most deeply impacted coming to the U.S. after he attended a black church because he finally saw what it meant to be a church made in the image of God there, as opposed to the way it was being done elsewhere in the segregated America. Yeah. And also going back to the Imago Dei, which we talked about with humans being on the same, same level level and playing field in God's eyes. And I guess that would also apply to the government too. If one people group, color, race, gender, whatever are elevated, Yes. That should also be. Yes. Spoken out on the marginalized. Yes. So when it is the role to resist, how are we actually supposed to do it, Brandon? How do we resist the government in a biblical manner? I don't know the full biblical response on how to resist. Not going to lie. All right, then. So let's let's go into (laughs) So we talked already the story of Daniel Mm -hmm. and everything we see with Daniel is this idea of honoring the people that are in power, but honoring the law of God, 
honoring God and honoring, in Daniel's case, the holy discontent God has placed more than the law of the land. So in doing that, when he goes to the, when the first time they resist, it's just a formal, it's not even a protest. It's just a formal a request. request. Yeah. Can we do this? You know, this is what we believe. We understand this is what you believe, but can we do this? The second time that there is a actual, we are going to resist the government is in Daniel chapter three, where the three friends are like, we will never bow down to that idol. And so do with us as you please. It was a formal protest, but it was a formal protest understanding that there's consequences, understanding the consequences involved. And the fun thing for us as believers is that in those situations, there's opportunity for the gospel to shine through. Because what is the actual Shadrach response? Even if, or you, if you try and kill us, our God will save us. Oh, yeah, Shadrach. But okay. even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. Because it's not about what happens to us. It's about Physically, the building yeah. up of the kingdom. And so by them saying, you know, you will have this happen to you. Our response can be, our God can save us. And even if he does not, he is still, still God. good. Yeah. And he is still good. So, and then, you know, Daniel chapter five, we have the opposite thing of where it was very clear that God had not anointed this king any longer. And so Daniel rebuked him. And when we talk rebuke, this is the same type of rebuke that we see in the New Testament as what we are supposed to do within the church with the scriptures. Rebuke is not about insults. Rebuke is about being very intentional and direct in the correction that you are giving from God. Because it's not just Daniel's opinion that he's giving here. He is saying this is a direct message from God that you have lost your authority here hmm. because you have not honored God the way that your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did. Daniel chapter 6, same thing. Daniel is in such high regard from the king that the king doesn't even want to do the consequences. But Daniel tells him that you need to do the consequences anyway. Because again, you can try and kill me, but God is big enough to save me. And honestly, at his age, Daniel, maybe he was hoping he was done. The other areas that we get for how do we resist Ephesians six, Ephesians six is the armor of God. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I, see, I was I like, at, yes. Was armor like, of God. We've talked about this on here before. Mm -hmm. There are two weapons that are given within the armor of God, the sword and shield prayer. A prayer, that's right. The sword like, is what? The word. The word. The Bible. And then prayer, we know what prayer, well, we think we know what prayer is. Maybe we'll do an episode on prayer at some point. That'd be a good one. You know, we, our weaponry that we are given to do battle is the word of God, the law of God that we already talked about. When it violates the law of God, this is, we are supposed to resist. And through prayer. Because what does the what does the Bible tell us that we are supposed to do for our enemies? Love and forgive. Love, forgive, and 
pray, right? right? We pray for our enemies. That's Matthew 5, which is the other area of how we resist. When we resist, sometimes it is a physical form of resistance through protests and things like that. But it's not a protest of, look at us, we're right and you're wrong. It's a protest of, we are defending God's the Imago Dei. We are defending God's word. We are defending this, this, this. But we are defending it with the understanding that there are consequences to our resistance. And those consequences need to be acceptable to us. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what they are, because Romans 13 talks about the fact that the government carries the sword and it doesn't carry it for no reason. The government has every right to kill us. That is a God-given right from God to government. And so we need to understand that and be okay with that. But at the same time, when we see the government killing citizens that cannot speak for themselves, whether that's through policy or through actual action, we need to stand up. Because it's not about us, it's about the lives of these other people that are being impacted. The Imago Dei. These people have worth even though you say they do not. Because God is the one that has given them their worth. Mm -hmm. And so you can kill us, you can jail us, you can imprison us, but it doesn't change the fact that these people have worth. And now, getting to those consequences... This is where we have to actually say, we actually have to identify what the consequences of a biblical resistance actually are. Before we get into a little bit of discussion, before we close us to what this actually looks like in the real world. The response from the government, like we said, Romans 13, the government carries the sword for no reason, or does not carry the sword for no reason. Matthew 5, all throughout the Beatitudes, we have the idea of, we are going to be poor of spirit. We are going to be persecuted. We are going to have this, this, and this. Matthew 10, it's the same sort of thing of we are going to face resistance and persecution being in the world. Mm-hmm. The entire story of Jeremiah, though, is one of really Jeremiah as a prophet. This is part of why he and I get along so well. <laughs> The entire story of Jeremiah is full of him being depressed and beaten down. And the majority of the time, the people beating him down is who? Other other believers. Well, not other other believers. I mean, everybody that he's talking to are Jews. So everybody is obviously the same there. Yeah. But pretty much everybody that he deals with either claims to be a prophet or a king. Hmm. And all of those people beat him up, leave him for dead, throw him in a well. They break the stuff that God tells him to bring with him to show the people what's about to happen. They deny him. They tell him he's a false prophet. They call him. They tell him that he is a he is trying to divide the kingdom, that he is speaking blasphemy against the king, which is not even a thing. All of these different things because of the fact that he is resisting the evil that the government is doing and trying to bring the law of God back to the land. And I put this out on Twitter a few days ago because I had forgotten how accurate this actually was. But many of the criticisms that Jeremiah received that are written down for us 
are almost word for word what we are seeing on Christian social media. Interesting. Which I think as you break that down further at the beginning of Jeremiah, which is somewhat different is he's getting the call and command right. and does commission. Want it, yes. Which is the other reason he and I get along. So well. <laughs> yes. So I think that is the other part where, well, we are given a commission as well. Exactly. Different from, well, I shouldn't say same and different than Jeremiah. And that is what we want to close out on is how does this actually look? Because there are a lot of people that are claiming that government mandates on vaccines or on social distancing and masks or government interference on gun rights or on um, education decisions or on abortion or on any hot topic of the day is something that we are supposed to react to because it violates the law of God. There are some that will also argue the Daniel 5 side that the current government is not God's chosen government, and so we are supposed to fully resist and rebuke. Mm -hmm. There are some that will claim that we are that because of the fact that the government does anything that is not lined up with the Old Testament law, that that means we are supposed to actually take up arms and fight the government. That is not what we are talking about when we talk about where Scripture gives us clear definition of where we are to actually resist the government. Because what you are arguing is your political ideologies, not the actual theological law of God that has been given to us. I guess one, one thing to potentially think about is we talked about with COVID happening and everything of uh, having to quarantine. And so right. some of the conversation came up of, well, this is violating my ability to love my neighbor or be, be with people. Because I can't share or tell the gospel. Or they were arguing, you know, it's it's a violation of the law of God because we are being prevented from meeting. Yeah. Or the idea, you know, the, the, the other one was the idea of, well, you're violating the law of God by forcing me to get medication because God is the one that's supposed to heal me. The issue with those arguments... Because again, we have said multiple times that whatever your pastors have decided, ideally they have been praying through this. And so give your pastor a little bit of slack because nobody alive has ever had to deal with this. And this is not something they train you for as far as how to deal with a global pandemic. But the, the idea that because we cannot meet together, it's a violation of the law of God does not actually line up with anything we see theologically because we live in an age of technology where churches could still gather together online. Mm -hmm. We live in an age of technology where people can still interact and share the gospel. We live in an age of technology where we have access to other resources to be able to disciple our own children, which is what the call is supposed to be as well. 
And I think a lot of it, it's rooted in who is the inconvenience to. Yes. Is it an inconvenience to me? Because I don't want to. And that is why there change were different things or I don't want to just meet online. And that's why the ironic thing is that the the more theologically sound argument as far as what is preventing me from loving our neighbor was the argument of by not meeting and by masking and by doing what the government is asking, we are actually able to love our neighbor because we are putting their health ahead of my personal convenience. Mm -hmm. That is a way of resisting the culture of everything is political to know everything is not political. Everything is about this person is made in the image of God. Yeah. And so we honor it. You know, it's the same argument that is being made right now about all of the, you know, this is where the big ones are at right now is on abortion and on gun control. And the ironic thing is that both sides of the aisles here are making the same arguments just for the opposite sides. Because you have some arguing that the government cannot regulate abortion because government laws are not going to affect anything. Mm-hmm. But then they are saying but they should regulate gun laws because that's going to affect things. On the other side, you have people saying the government has to regulate abortion because that's going to prevent it. But then they come out and say, but you can't regulate our guns because that won't prevent anything. And the reason why you can't actually make that argument consistently, especially as a believer, is that neither one of those arguments is pro-life and neither one of those arguments are are theological in nature at all. Mm -hmm. Those are completely politically motivated arguments. Because the reality is the government has a God-given responsibility to care for its citizens. So the government is supposed to be pro-life. Yeah. But the government also has the authority from God to do with its citizens as it pleases. It carries it carries the sword for a reason. And so as a believer, we can the proper times to resist the government. Abortion is a proper time to resist the government because there are imago dei images of God at stake. Yeah. A marginalized group that a marginalized group that literally can't speak for itself. A proper time for a Christian to resist the government is when the government does not take measures to keep its children safe, whether that means that me as an American has to give up my my gun or not, because it's not about me as an American. It's about my responsibility of pushing the kingdom forward and caring for those that God has put in front of me. Mm hmm. Again, even if that means even if that the means consequences for the me, consequence or consequences potentially of not being right. You know, the 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 thing that we want people to get out of this more than anything else is that we the American mindset, the Cold War theology mindset. Has made an idol out of. American rights. The call of Christ. Is to lay down our rights. Mm hmm. And to consider others more highly than we consider ourselves. To be broken and poor of spirit. To seek out peace with everyone. We need to get back to actually talking 
in theological terms about what is going on in our world and not focus so much on the political ideologies that are being thrown at us from whatever media outlet you're using at the time. Because these things are not as black and white as they want to make it look. There is a middle ground here that is a biblical middle ground where you can be both pro a restriction on abortion and pro restriction on guns because it's not about us. It's about being salt and light within our communities and caring for those that are in front of us. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, to reiterate on is where the authority is coming from, not the maybe end user or end person that right. is, decides to have have a gun have an abortion whatever like that's not where your resistance needs to be coming right. from right you're you're resisting you're resisting the authority that is violating the law of god and the the rights that god has given us as humans because we are made in his image mm -hmm. so now that you've heard us feel free to protest us and resist us, even though we're not an authority. Resist <laughs> us anyway. Let us know what you think. I guess Let the easiest the way comments. to resist us is not listen to us. Well, don't or... give them that idea. Oh, yeah, Come on no, now. No. Come on now. <laughs> One stars is an easier resistance because then at least we're getting some feedback. <laughs> so let us know what you think. This is a very complex, complicated issue. We're hoping to maybe go more in depth with it because I got... I had a lot of fun going through Jeremiah and found way more relevant stuff than I remembered that was in there. So we may do more of this here in the future and just walk through Jeremiah. We've got some other stuff coming up. June 28th, I will be back on with Bishop Pelt um, doing the Tuesday, what do they call it? Teaching Tuesdays, um, which is a live stream that they do. So if you want to check that out, the links will be on our pages and things like that. I may be able to share it. I'm not sure because sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Um, we also still have the birthday month fundraiser going. Yeah, so all month of June here. So happy birthday to us. Happy Woo. birthday, Andrew. Woo -woo. Um, and also with, you can go support us on our Patreon yes. page by just anything you want to check out. I just like going to mentorymisfit.com. That's the easiest place to see. Yes. And so we've got four different levels of support anywhere from five, $10, 20 and a hundred. Yes. And then also the store is still up for the misfit merch, including the teak fatigue. So be sure to go check those out. Get the teak fatigue. 70% of the profits from that go back to Tikva. Brandon, this was heavy. Yeah, this was heavy. Now, but, now it's time to go out in the world. Yes. And not screw up. So we will see everybody next That'll week. That'll still happen. Yeah. Well, you know, the Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash Ministry Misfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, 
you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministry misfits. 